0: Welcome to Episode 1 of Initial Legal Offering. More informative than a Donald Trump tweet. More addictive than a can of salt and vinegar Pringles. It's Initial Legal Offering, the latest in crypto news and regulation.
1: This week we'll be discussing the Blockchain Transparency Institute's Initial Exchange Rankings Report. We'll explore the possibility that crocs are a better investment than Bitcoin. No, we (laughs) won't. We're going to explain why cryptocurrencies are on the rise in Latin America and other developing countries. We'll debate how cryptocurrency should be a defense against lawful and unlawful discrimination. And we will be discussing our crypto of the week. And this week, it is loopering. It's not the first blockchain-based contraceptive. It's (laughs) It's <laughs> that
2: would make an amazing commercial.
1: We have crypto and blockchain's most sophisticated and charming panel with us this week. I am Laura Beth Waller. I have a master's degree in tax law, and I am the voice of reason and crypto muggle on the panel. To my left.
0: Hi, I'm Sevi Doming. I've been in IT and security for the last uh, several years and uh, actively in crypto for the last two. I'm Ben McLawhorn. I'm relatively new to the cryptosphere. I was originally
3: raised by a pack of wildebeest in the southern Serengeti where these guys found me and brought Did me you back
0: to this? life. <laughs> this is way too prepared. I'm done a, that sounds rehearsed, man.
3: <laughs> basically done a one eighty over the past year as far as cryptocurrencies involved, going from knowing absolutely nada to becoming an early adopter and supporter of the of movement.
2: Fantastic, and my name is Jared Pierce. I am the shameless chill of any cryptocurrency, so long as it's worth the damn. I do consider myself a Bitcoin, a uh, bit of a Bitcoin maximalist. Uh, but at the end of the day, I'm super excited for you to be uh, joining us, and let's get started. So it's time for the news. We uh... Really need to get uh, an intro here some yeah, way. Think- <laughs> some intro music. Beep,
3: beep, 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 we can start beep, beep, on that beep, beep, next beep, beep, week, right? Beep, beep, that's, beep. that's week two's material, I think. Yeah.
2: Okay. So uh, up first, uh, we have the Blockchain Transparency Institute. Sevi, that's you.
0: Yeah. So uh, we have a new report out from the Blockchain Transparency Institute uh, that, uh, that looks at the uh, accusations of wash trading among the uh, top 130 cryptocurrency exchanges. So I assume most people are going to know what wash trading is. But... So let's
2: just pretend I didn't read the and, article.
0: Yeah, <laughs> pretend, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so wash trading is um, the process by which an exchange might uh, create, buy, and sell orders. So they're essentially trading with themselves uh, to create the appearance of more volume than there actually is. Um, this is
1: also a technique that can be used um, for offset of gains in for tax purposes. Yeah. Um, So this is the sort of thing that I found the most interesting about this article is that um, wash sales can be used to generate a loss. And um, it's a really interesting um, phenomenon, I guess, in cryptocurrency because the Internal Revenue Service um, says that, you know, there's a a section of the Internal Revenue Code that says that loss deduction is not allowed in stocks and securities, but... Cryptocurrency is not a stock or security. So for tax purposes, you can do a wash sale.
2: Isn't there also an IRS code that says something to the effect of, you know, if you do stuff to just take a loss to uh, reduce your overall tax liability, they can look at your intent for doing that and undo that um, action. It's kind of like a catch-all, don't have bad faith when you're doing your taxes.
1: Uh, I mean, I do know that this section of the code, uh, 1091, specifically relates only to stocks and securities. Gotcha. Um, and you can't, ba- basically what they're trying to avoid is you buying something at $10, selling it when it's dropped down to 5 uh, you know, realizing that loss, and then rebuying it at gotcha. $5 and hanging on to it, right? Yeah. But so far, there's nothing that says that that's not allowed. Which I found really interesting as a side note to this article.
0: Yeah, I mean, wash trading in general has been illegal since 1936. So, um, I mean, I don't know uh, if that is the same statute that you're referring to and doesn't apply to commodities or... um, So we're we're not talking about soap, guys? Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Of course, the first thing you think is with wash like money laundering. Yeah.
0: Right? Yeah, and this has been used for money laundering in the past too, creating fees um as a means of paying someone um but what's the overall
2: problem with um exchanges wanting to make it look like there's volume on their particular exchange, right? I mean, I understand that wash trading may be a bad thing, but they're in the business of encouraging people to bring their crypto assets to their particular exchange. They want to uh, create liquidity, by, and liquidity is created by having a bunch of trades going back and forth. Um, where's the harm here to the crypto community?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, if you have the appearance of a really high volume and you get a, a big ticket trader or a whale coming in, trying to offload a bunch of Bitcoin, all of a sudden there's not that volume there that they were expecting. It could crash the market really quickly. Gotcha. So, um wash trading equals bad yeah pretty much well the good news is like in the us all the top us-based uh exchanges um at least according to this report and their metrics did not show any evidence of wash trading um coinbase gemini kraken bittrex uh there was no evidence there um in general um it looked like mostly um the asia-based markets mostly hong kong and singapore are the worst offenders of this um so Uh, No evidence there. They also didn't find any evidence uh, of this uh, from Bitfinex, uh, which is the number two uh, exchange according to their rankings. Um, Bitfinex has been accused of wash trading in the past and other uh, improprieties relating to Tether. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, uh, in my opinion, the jury's still out on that one. But according to this metrics, metric that they used um bitfinex also did not show any signs of wash trading
2: didn't this um have some consequences for coin market cap for how they're calculating volume and circulating supply and they removed like a bunch of korean exchanges
0: yeah coin market cap has addressed this in the past and um i believe they have a um faq
2: or something like that on yeah, their sites
0: uh and either a flag or um adjusted volume on their rankings um that, that also addresses this
1: I think overall what the blockchain um, transparency transparency Institute is doing um, in ranking these exchanges though is a good thing because it um, it you know one transparency is in their name um, but it also uh, gives some credibility to using these exchanges and cryptocurrency in general um, on a wider scale um, in in
3: yeah, that's, More that's very general true. General
1: consumer marketplace.
3: very true. As a, as a novice, um, when it comes to the cryptocurrency world, I didn't know what exchanges to first use without some some guidance from some friends. So, um, you know, I barring, hope you're not
2: including me in that list. Yeah,
3: <laughs> we're definitely not friends. Yeah, okay, good. Um, barring you know, just a Google search for for a, a cryptocurrency exchange is going to return a lot of these, um, which you know, one risky click, you know, and you could be basing all all of your cryptocurrency transactions on misleading markets. So
2: um quick question. Blockchain transparency institute, it sounds super officious. Who are they? Where do they come from? Who owns them? Any that's, idea? Uh,
0: that's a good question. They're not super transparent. <laughs> there's
2: about not transparency <laughs> about know. that. Okay, I don't
1: know.
2: <laughs> got it. Got it. Yeah, and I think that's something that um I think we need to be aware of just generally when we're looking at articles and information online. Anyone can create a website. Anyone can um, Create an Institute. And uh, I, I imagine that if a bunch of US exchanges are not wash trading, and at least according to this Transparency Institute, uh, it could be that those exchanges put together the Transparency Institute with the metrics that they're measuring to determine wash trading.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, um, this report was uh, at least partly based on an earlier report from another researcher who had done something different, but looked at um, slippage or the Uh, amount of price movement that would happen um, when a large order is submitted on the market. And um, the Blockchain uh, Transparency Institute used some of that data uh, to then further look at uh, unique visitors. Um, And uh, I mean, all their data um, is out there. I mean, the more research we have on this, the better. I'm not saying this is the be all end all, and they don't seem to be saying that either. Um, But the more people we get looking at this and the more Uh, ways we can look at it, uh, the better off we'll be.
2: Yeah, I think it's a good idea to have a healthy respect for the idea that exchanges don't have your best interest at heart, whether that's with a stop loss or whether that's with wash trading. um, It's a good idea to be aware that they're in it to make money too, and you're how they make money. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's move on. I think we, uh, we've we had a good conversation there and uh, I appreciate all the transparency um, from <laughs> everyone. Um, but let's move on. Laura Beth, um, let's discuss um, your favorite shoe company.
1: Yes. I'm wearing them right now. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, so a New York Times reporter uh, tweeted out uh, basically a graph that indicates that over the last year uh, from August 16, uh, 2017, to August 17th, well, his, his tweet was sent on August 17th, um, that Crocs were a better investment than Bitcoin. Uh, of course, there were, were a lot of reactions on Twitter and it also kind of spurred some um, spinoff articles about Crocs um, in general. And uh, one of the interesting things that I found out was that uh, Crocs aren't uh, being manufactured anymore they closed their last manufacturing facilities um, recently, and and they've given no indication on how they're going to continue to manufacture crocs, which um, has obviously led to uh, crocs hoarding, right? You know, yeah. you guys explains, aren't hoarding crocs? That explains <laughs> what <laughs>
0: my mom's been doing. Crocs. Um, <laughs> we'll
2: I don't know if about. you're kidding,
0: Osiris. <laughs> no, he's a crocodile uh, farmer. Uh, and. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Dinooch. Uh, <laughs> yeah, good, good one. <laughs>
2: Shake my head.
0: Alligators, but yeah. Yeah, same
2: out. difference. Same thing, right? um, Crocs, as proposed by this gentleman, was a better investment than Bitcoin of the last year.
1: Yeah, so here's why they um, they aren't, though. Because okay. they have now closed their manufacturing facilities. Um, they're going to have to use a third-party manufacturer, which means that, like, you know, they're going to mess up that recipe the first couple of times. Them, the plastic cobblers are going to miscobble some crocs. And, Did you um, just
2: say the croc recipe? Yeah. <laughs> like a crock pot recipe? <laughs> <laughs> I like it.
1: I like it. Uh, yeah, the, the croc, crock pot is going to be, you know, there's always a little uh, bit of a learning curve whenever you have to. And
2: depending uh, where the manufacturing takes place, if it's overseas, they could be dealing with tariffs. So if you've got no crocs and you're interested in getting into the croc game, you may see a bit of their overhead, or you see your price of your Crocs increase if these uh, tariffs um, affect Croc production or imports. Um, but I think there's a bigger issue here, looking at it from a technical standpoint. If you buy a pair of Crocs, and let's say you bought it as a business expense. I thought that
3: was the universal sign that you've given up all hope. That,
2: that It is, uh, 100%. Uh, but let's say you bought you some camo Crocs. Um, to go with We your, are in
1: North Carolina. Yes, so that's, it's, that's it's the only insane. crocs that they sell
2: <laughs> in North Carolina. So let's say you bought some crocs and you bought it as a business expense. Um, you would expect those crocs to depreciate
1: sure.
2: over a period of time. What Do we have an, an estimation of what the lifetime value of a croc is, of the, a pair of crocs would be to a person? Maybe five years before they fall to shit? That's I, I can't say
1: that I've personally tested this, but I do know that they last a, a good long time, you know, for.
2: But they're sure. only going to decrease in value. Sure,
1: sure.
2: Yeah. I um, I think that if you're looking at investing in a company where their commodity is going to inevitably decrease and their production's been outsourced, that while Crocs may have had an amazing year last year, if you look at any other window of time between the Crocs stock and Bitcoin, Bitcoin blows yeah. Crocs out of the water. Crocs, and, and not even just a little bit.
1: Crocs had a, a little bit of a... A renaissance with um, being uh, oh, oh, oh.
2: <laughs> words that I never ever thought would be combined.
1: <laughs> Look, they, it, it was it was like a knockoff, but Balenciaga made like an eight hundred dollar platform croc with these like pins on it, and they were on the runways in France. Um, you can buy them at Neiman Marcus. I mean, it's very crazy. How
2: much uh, did you pay for these?
1: I did not. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. but I was also going to say um, an interesting point is that. Like I have two kids, everybody's kids wear Crocs because they're super easy to get on and you can hose them down. And so we are now raising <laughs> generations of <laughs> Crocs. We purchases.
2: have fallen off the rails, ladies and gentlemen. This has gone. Whatever mess so you find on is, your Crocs. Maybe it awesome. is
1: a better investment. No, I can. I, I, I think they had a really good year because, um, I don't know, they had a good year, but long term. I don't think that uh, I think Bitcoin's going to outperform. God. Yeah, it
2: looks like sales have been up tremendously and they've got a lot of market traction, um, particularly in the southeast um, and have opened up some individual stores. Looks to be some of the reasons why they've done so well. But um, if you if you take the the tweets and the articles that have come out, of the tweets, their value proposition is that Crocs is a good long term investment. I think um, as a tax attorney, Laura Beth, you would probably agree that a long term investment is anything longer than a year. Yeah. Um, however, if they're going to claim this a good long term investment and only give us a year's worth of data, I think they're being really selective over the data sampling they're providing. Yeah,
3: yeah, if you go crazy.
2: back from 817 2016 through 817 2018, um, Crocs have increased in value, uh, the Crocs stock that is, has increased in value about 2.3x. Uh, if you take that same window of time, 2016 2018, Bitcoin as an investment, um, has has 11 would uh, I think that the choice is clear um that this article was done just to get some, some uh,
1: clicks.
2: get some clicks a little bit of clickbaits get the uh get the crypto folks get the crypto community little blood's boiling mm-hmm. and get the normies out there all up in arms about why cryptos are bad investments <laughs> and, and uh
1: and, and thinking that they they got a, a, a good uh, purchase tip here. Like, I'm going to go buy me some Crocs. Stock yeah, now.
2: absolutely. You know that if my mother-in-law had to see this, she's going to be like, Jared's in Bitcoin. And you know, that's not worth anything. <laughs> um, and <laughs> he should have invested in them Crocs.
1: <laughs> the Crocs, um, I, in kind of researching this article, they did horribly. Uh, their, their stock was not great during kind of the peak of the recession, which is pretty surprising because they're a relatively... Um, inexpensive shoe and they're pretty dang on durable. So you would think that something that wasn't going to cost you a fortune and would last for a long time and be pretty versatile would be a a good shoe to buy during a recession. Yeah.
2: There's lots of other factors that you can look at with that as well, though. I mean, the entire stock market was down, their ability to expand operations um, consumer confidence during the the financial crisis was down massively. So people were just not buying stuff. Um, but you know what wasn't down during the financial crisis cryptocurrency, and you know that there Cause is a didn't exist it didn't exist, it didn't exist. <laughs> however, if I put that as a tweet to be super controversial, you imagine I'd get a whole bunch of clicks off that <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: yeah
2: but uh, no, Do I, it. I I think that we would see um this next financial dip that everyone's anticipating and discussing um I think that we're gonna see an an, uh, an inverse correlation between. Traditional stock markets decreasing, and the price of crypto increasing. And I genuinely look forward to seeing all of the Twitter graphs showing and reflecting how the crypto community and crypto acting as a store of wealth and a modicum of transferring wealth has done s- superbly well compared to the traditional market.
3: Yeah, I think that's true. There's there's actually some a lot of real world applications now that are that cryptocurrencies kind of um. Taking off, um, most notably here in Venezuela recently.
2: Um, oh, great segue.
3: With the hyperinflation that has been going on there. Um, it's so like Venezuela. So.
2: This, so, this is an article that you're discussing. What's the article called?
3: It's called Investing in Cryptocurrencies on the Rise in Latin America. Interest. It's in cryptocurrency. Yeah. Um, written by Diana No from Coinjo- CoinJournal.net.
2: She's um, not sponsoring this. You don't have to tell us. She's her name. not. Okay.
3: <laughs> um, so, what, what's been going on there is that. Obviously, the economy's been collapsing. Um, and In in Venezuela? In Venezuela, yeah.
1: For some some years.
3: Yeah. Venezuela's Um, in
1: very bad shape.
3: Yeah. um, U.S. has sanctions, economic sanctions on them.
0: Um, After
1: their sham election. Yeah.
0: After their sham election, Nicolas Maduro was was elected. And really, they've been in trouble since the the oil prices started going down. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. They were flying high while oil was going up, but yeah, now they've been having some real issues.
1: Um, Hundred
2: dollars a barrel is gone, and so now people are battling. Yeah. Oh,
1: the, they, I mean, it's it's very bad. Like they're rationing flour. Um, people are are coming out of their malnourished. Um, shortages in electricity, medicine. I mean, even so far as not being able to get simple antibiotics to people who need them for. Um, I, I saw that a former MLB player um, who was from Venezuela went back there, got pneumonia, and died because they couldn't get him antibiotics to uh
2: so freedom. so why is this relevant to this uh podcast what are, so, what are we talking about
3: so we're talking about a large adoption of cryptocurrency and using it mainly um by, gas, venezuelans. by venezuelans yes so what the what some of the issues is is that um people are you know using a credit card in venezuela and then three days later when Funds are authorized. They're worth significantly less than they were when the card was actually swiped because of inflation. Because of the inflation problem, so you've got so bad
1: for merchants.
3: Extremely bad for merchants. Bad so for people, yeah, yeah. So you've got people that are switching to, um, namely Dash, which is um one of the earlier forks from Bitcoin. Um, actually, was called uh, Dark Coin and, and had a couple other names before it changed to Dash, which stands for Digital Cash. Um, and they've said on their website that they've been Having tens of thousands of downloads of of their app there and and using of their currency over the past month. That's awesome. Um, And they and Venezuela has become their number two market, even surpassing China and Russia, which as we know are huge adopters of cryptocurrency.
2: So what's uh, so besides inflation, is there any rationale for why that you know of that Venezuelans are wanting to switch to Dash? Is that is it that the Venezuelan government's like regulating the currency and not wanting U.S. dollars to circulate? Well, what's the rationale well, behind it's, it? It's
3: clear that their their competence is more in
0: cryptocurrency than it is their fiat.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah,
0: and Venezuela tried to um tried to create their or did create their own cryptocurrency. That's right. Petro. Petro, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and um yeah got uh got a lot of flack for that. Um, it was viewed as just a scam. Um. They it was supposed to be backed by the by the uh, Venezuelan oil reserves, but um, it really hasn't done anything to uh, to stop inflation in that country, which I think this article said was one million percent last year. Yeah. So
2: So the as far as I understand Petro, which seemed like a really novel concept that a government would create a um, oil backed reserve token um, and then tried to force banks in Venezuela to accept petro, that the U.S. government saw this as a potential risk to uh, funds coming in to Venezuela from the U.S., that they made it illegal, as I understand it, because of the economic sanctions that have been placed by the U.S. and the U.N. on Venezuela, uh, forbidding people from actually
3: buying petro.
0: Well, yeah, they didn't have to do anything to make it illegal. Any commerce or trade or uh, anything with the Venezuelan government is kind of well, off-limits to U.S. Also, too, the petro was
3: going to be based on the ethereum blockchain and last minute they changed it to the nim blockchain
2: so hmm, that's interesting yeah. any thoughts Sevi, as to why they switched from uh, an erc20 token to uh NIM?
0: no um that's that's a good question
2: yeah i have no idea why anyone would ever choose to do that <laughs> that seems like a terrible yeah. idea um okay so uh the venezuelan government's massive inflation you've got folks not able to buy medicine and food and Dash is coming to save the day. Like,
3: are merchants accepting Dash? Yes. Yeah, so, um, notably, Subway, you know, $5 footlongs longs there in Venezuela. I don't know how many like Dash seven that meals. is. I don't know how many it's Dash that is. That is but,
1: it's terrible. And, and also
3: Calvin Klein, because they have to wear nice underwear down there, right? I
2: think um, you have to wear nice underwear everywhere. Yeah, I think so. I think,
3: Speak for yourself. So, so one of the ways they imp- implemented this is that Dash is a- actually...
2: Um, I, I just think we need to leave this out. If we, can we just beep? And that's at um, minute 22 to, to <laughs> just just straight up just have some dead space. Yeah, dead yeah, air. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm
1: sorry.
2: <laughs> Any underwear talk, just remove it from this podcast. <laughs>
1: Unless it's Tommy John's.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's Tommy By the way, we are open to a Tommy yeah, John sponsorship. Tommy Jones, hit us
0: up. Um, we, we are actively looking for sponsors. We will
2: shill Tommy John's um, like it's That's never been John shilled Mark. before. That's
0: what it is, uh, yeah. right?
2: Absolutely. Um,
1: it is whatever the. No, we, I will, I will <laughs>
2: walk around downtown Durham and lunge the entire way, <laughs> so long as I'm wearing Tommy John's and they're sponsoring this podcast.
3: I don't know, no sponsors if they see you doing that. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, okay, so, so, one of the ways, no
2: Tommy John's in Venezuela yet, but yeah. we're excited about it's that market. It's an emerging
3: market, emerging. Market, yes. emerging mm-hmm. for sure. So, so one of the ways that Dash has um, kind of implemented this mass adoption. Um, is that they partnered with uh, Crypto Mobile Corporation, that's crypto with K-R-I-P-T-O, um, is that they've started this um, partnership with them where they can acquire, use, and spend, and store cryptocurrency on these digital cell phones. On nice. The cell phones. Yeah, smart. Um, and the, these mobile phones, which retail for less than $100, um, they come preloaded with um, Dash ecosystem mm-hmm. on there. So you've got the wallet, um, an exchange service, and then third-party, app. third-party apps up there, too.
2: That's ingenious.
3: So you know, this, while it's a sad, sad state of affairs down there in Venezuela, I mean, you can kind of see that where, where you have these deepening economical crises, you have, or crises, excuse me, you have the need for cryptocurrency for, for where the government is obviously failing its people.
2: Well, it's a distrust for the government and the, the legal tender of the of the country um, will cause people to do things. I think um, in in our show prep, we had discussed um, Aranya, the community in South Africa yeah, that was uh, contemplating creating their own ecosystem token so they didn't have to rely on the South African RAND. Um, I think there's been several places like around the world where people have had a distrust for the currency. Uh, I think Zimbabwe was another one. The Zimbabwean dollars experienced hyperinflation. Um, and I think it's a natural next step is that when you have distrust for what the government's doing, that you move your... Um, your ability to transact with money into a different medium.
3: Yeah. The article also mentions that, um, you know, Turkey, Ukraine, and Argentina are also experiencing somewhere between 20 to 30% inflation right now. And that Dash was actively seeking ways to to kind of jump into those markets as well. Um, It's just, it's kind of an interesting note that um, cryptocurrency is being adopted like that. I mean, Almost like a necessity. Yeah. It's becoming a need rather than, you know, for our use here in, in the States is you know, kind of a novel concept. I mean, this is actually becoming a need in these countries.
2: So I think that's a good segue into the next article, because I think it's becoming more of a necessity in the U.S. as well. I think your, your statement a moment ago of um, it's not so much a need in the U.S., but it looks like it may be heading that direction. Um, we have seen recently there was an article that was titled um, Cryptocurrency Isn't Just Money, It's Defense Against Discrimination. And um, what this article basically goes into is discusses the U.S. governments and some states in particular that have taken action to chill or discourage banks from doing businesses, uh, doing business with certain kinds of companies. Uh, I think the best one I can come up with is I think is something that everyone knows something about. Um, you know, people that have um, dispensaries in California, or Colorado are having a real hard time putting that money into a fdic insured federally backed bank because um technically marijuana is still legal at the federal level while the states have certainly made it um uh, permissible recreationally at the state level you can't do anything with that money so um, that's created a lot of uh, a lot of stress on that uh on that kind of community in those kinds of environments
0: they're having to keep like massive vaults full of cash because that's all they can take they can't get um can't get into uh, into the Stripe business, can't take uh, credit card transactions or anything along those lines. So they're really stuck with cash.
2: There was a, a pretty interesting lawsuit that um, the NRA had to file. And I feel like um, uh, despite what your political affiliation or belief may be as when it comes to firearms, when the government starts taking actions to discourage banks from doing business with you, filing a lawsuit is pretty much your only choice.
3: Yeah, especially in the case of the National Rifle, Rifle Association. Whether you agree with their views or not, it's, you know, the Second Amendment does exist and say it says that you can, you know, have the rights to, to bear arms. Now, whether, you know, there's a whole argument on what kind of guns that could be, but, you know, when, when banks and the government is actually telling banks to, you know, cease doing business with, with this, this this organization that has been around for, for, for hundreds of years.
2: Since um, the Civil War. Yeah.
3: I mean, you, you see that all of a sudden the banks having... You know, this government regulation is can can ne- you know necessarily discriminate um, based yeah. on the viewpoint. So. so
2: that's exactly what this lawsuit's about. Interestingly enough, it almost seems like you've read this article. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, what's happened here is that um, the the Department of Financial Services, by and through Andrew Cuomo, is how we've all agreed to to pronounce his name, have basically stated and put started asserting pressure on banks to. Um, refrain from doing business with certain kinds of industries. And one of those industries is um, gun, man- gun manufacturers and gun sellers. And the NRA felt forced to go and file this lawsuit saying that the Department of Financial Services and Andrew Cuomo um, putting all this pressure, is that how you say it? Okay. He was the governor of New York, I think at one yeah. time as well. Um, they have gone so far as to start contacting banks And basically, according to the allegations of the complaints, threatening them that if they don't stop doing business with the NRA, that they're going to investigate them and find a way to find them for their inaction. So, the Department of Financial Services—most folks don't know this—but was created after the 2008 financial crisis, and they regulate massive volume of money through the banks that they regulate. It's something like 70 trillion dollars or some some such nonsense. Uh, But at the end of the day what ended up happening is that uh, the NRA um, the relationship with their banks and their members' relationship with the banks, the banks started firing them and closing accounts, uh, firing them as clients or customers and closing their accounts, saying that they don't have the ability or they're not permitted to have these relationships because the the state government of New York is saying that they shouldn't do it. And so what's even worse about this um, is that this Smells and looks a lot like what happened with uh, the Obama administration in 2014 with Operation Chokepoint. Yeah, Operation
3: Chokepoint. A that
1: was fantastic um, name, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, great really, name,
2: terrible idea. Yeah, <laughs>
1: it, it really uh, gets to the heart of what they were trying to do here.
2: Yeah, so so Operation Chokepoint in 2014 was um, basically the Obama administration's attempt to regulate. Uh, and deny merchants access to banking industries that they deemed too risky. Yeah,
3: they were legal though. Oh yeah, completely legal businesses.
2: So um, Operation Chokepoint is actually kind of a quirky thing. And so when we're talking about Cuomo's actions in the Department of uh, Financial Services, this is almost identical as to what happened with Operation Chokepoint. Uh, Operation turpoint started um in two thousand and fourteen um and the congressional um hearing the oversight and Government Reform committee met with the u s House of Representatives and basically shut down this this thing in uh, end of twenty seventeen but basically they were targeting businesses that were legal and um they had made a list of businesses they thought were um scary and risky and um, would have a high likelihood of committing bank fraud.
3: Yeah, it kind of consisted of um, like coin dealers, firearms, yeah. ammunition. So
2: the list is something along the lines of ammo sales, uh, coin dealers, credit card, uh, credit repair services, dating services. Your Match.com account was going to get shut down <laughs> uh, because this Operation Chokepoint thought there was it was rife with fraud. Uh, home-based charities, lifetime guarantees, Fireworks sales and a list goes on and on. Not Payday loans, pharmaceutical sales, and surveillance equipment, telemarketing, marketing, and tobacco sales is just some of the industries that were affected by this operation choke point. And this effectively was the government not liking what they are the these these legal businesses are doing, and figuring out a way to cut their access off at the knees to banks and to the banking industry, and. So this article proposes uh, this crypto isn't just money, it's a defense against discrimination from the government, proposes this really interesting thought that as we start seeing more government overreach, we'll start seeing more businesses get involved with crypto. What do you guys think about that?
0: Yeah, I mean, the 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 danger with uh, people in these industries switching to cryptocurrency as opposed to a traditional bank is obviously still the volatility. I mean, you can't, uh, trade out uh, Bitcoin for a conventional bank. Um, when we saw in the last few months, uh, Bitcoin went down by some 60, 65%. So, I mean, you can't store for long term, you know, your assets in cryptocurrency um, if you want them to be safe and protected against the volatility of the market. But you can keep them there to keep them out of the hands of the government. Yeah.
2: So I, I think what what's happening with NRA here and what they're alleging in their complaints is that the Department of Financial Services have, with the intention of instructing, chilling and deterring banks from doing business with NRA, have discriminated against their ability to have political free speech. So I think it's only going to be natural that they're going to find a mechanism to have this money held outside of traditional um, markets like what's happened with coins like paragon paragon is like the largest marijuana dispensary and sales supply business Uh, they literally trade a token in exchange of as a replacement for legal tender in california and it's massive
3: smart yeah the the article presents this kind of unique take on the situation that what what if a financial regulator all of a sudden decided that they thought that the aclu's um stance on the first amendment was distasteful
0: let's be honest uh, like the nra has had uh has created its own issues um there's been massive like twitter campaigns that have um tried to shut off advertisers uh that did business for instance advertising on nra tv um and so there's been plenty of public um pressure on uh the companies doing business with the nra as well i don't know that the government putting pressure on these banks had uh had the outsize effect that they're probably trying to uh, trying to say that it did. Um, and I think there's always going to be uh, companies out there, whether it's banks or um, companies looking to advertise um, with the NRA or any of the businesses in these other industries um, that that will always be there and willing to do business yeah, with them. Yeah, I think the specific, one of the specific things with the NRA is that they do so much political donations.
3: They donate so much to different candidates that you
2: know they've got some pull they've got a lot of pool. so but i think the bigger point here is maybe to bring this full circle that that blockchain and cryptocurrency technology can assist with these types of problems just look at alex jones uh, does anyone not know who alex jones is our incredibly uh right wing um I think political we're all familiar with commentator things. who Info wars. That's who it is. Yes. Sorry, I couldn't think of it. So um, Alex Jones could rarely benefit from cryptocurrency. He may not know it. hashtag Alex Jones, if you're listening, hit me up. No, um, no. no, but, but don't. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, so no, but I, I I think there is value in free speech so long as it's not hate speech. Uh, I'm not trying to sit here and pretend like I like Alex Jones or I believe anything that he supports or contends. But I think that uh, we've bought into this idea that the Constitution is this governing document. Blockchain's got an option for you. Peep ETH, hit him up, check it out. That puts your tweets on the blockchain. Immutable can never be removed. And oh. you know what? I think we need you to do that, Alex Jones, if you're listening. We know you are listening, by the way, Alex Jones. <laughs> um, but
0: what do, do you it. Have to do now? Yeah, you,
2: nothing Honestly. else to do. You ain't got no Facebook. You ain't not got no YouTube. <laughs> venmo not venmo what is it what's the other video based uh vimeo vimeo they don't even want him
3: Um, no no he's trying to bring it back (laughs)
2: but I, i want him to put his tweets on the blockchain that way he can never delete them and be like uh yeah i never said that nuts and bolts crypto is going to be on the rise simply as we see continued government overreach in countries like south africa zimbabwe venezuela Turkey and all the others that we mentioned. And in the U.S., we're going to see companies start leveraging assets towards the blockchain to provide um, protection from regulation.
1: Yeah, I think that the current sort of political climate in the United States would suggest that it it very well could be a model here as well. Um, People are a little skeptical. Of what what exactly is going on in the government and and who's in charge? Yeah, yeah,
3: I think especially in, in today's society, that's that's a big thought. You know, in the U.S. and some other nations, protesting the government isn't a punishable offense. Whistleblowing won't, in theory, get you sent to jail, and being gay won't find you facing legal punishment. However, in a lot of other countries around the world, these kinds of things are a real issue, and people have, are scared about what they can say and what they can do. You know, the the identity protection of blockchain and cryptocurrency and, and you know, the new technology that we're, we're starting to embrace um, can, you know, lead to more, you know, more social activism.
2: Yeah. So I think that's a good point for us to – a good place for us to stop. Um, we need to move on, ladies and gentlemen. We have covered these articles. Anyone, anyone got anything final to say about any of these articles? We are um, going to turn over to Crypto of the Week uh, we had, before this episode started, picked a cryptocurrency for us to discuss. That cryptocurrency is Loopring.
0: So how this is going to work is every week we're going to pick a, a, a random crypto from awesome. the top 100. And um, uh, the following week we will discuss that. I'll break up into teams and, uh, and discuss the pros and cons of that. Uh, how of that are we coin.
2: choosing who's pro and who's con?
0: Uh, we will do that with the coin flip, which I will pull up right now. And uh, so you and I are flipping? Yes. Uh, so we're going to start heads, you are pro, tails, i will be pro. That we're not I using an
1: actual coin, that we're using an internet coin.
0: Hey, and this is <laughs> a cryptocurrency. <laughs> It'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bling! <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, we're uh, just going to use Google because uh, i got a handy little coin flip and here. And this is a cryptocurrency
2: podcast, so we yeah. kind of have to be on, yeah. the, on the chain. Who needs totally. physical
0: currency <laughs> yeah. anyway?
2: Yeah, so. flipping a coin, that's counterintuitive <laughs> that's to our entire mission that's here. totally outdated. Yeah, someone needs to put flip- even has any
1: coins right
2: coin tossing on the blockchain. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. Okay, am I am I pro or am I con? Okay, so Jared is going to be pro ring. And uh, we'll now do the same for Ben and Laura Beth. Uh, Heads, Ben will be pro, and you are pro. <laughs> um, okay.
2: I'm going to go ahead and call shenanigans on this, because that coin toss seems to be very biased for whoever's name's first. Yeah. Yeah. Goes pro. Um, I was really hoping to be con on this.
0: I, I was kind of hoping to be pro, but it, it'll be okay.
2: Okay, so yeah, um, so I think that I, pros don't have to go first, right? I think pros do have to go first. Why? What basis
0: do you have for that?
1: You gotta make your case.
0: Because inherent in arguing for a coin, you're gonna explain a little bit about it and what's it, what it's about and. Uh, and its value. Yeah, yeah, how it
2: works. So if I wanted to throw my hat into the con wagon right now, this would not <laughs> be the time to do it. Okay. Correct. So Loopring, where is it on uh, coin market cap? It's pretty pretty low down there. Uh, it currently is at position number 88. So it's not so far down. Um, Loopring. Um, ben, do you want to want to start? So,
3: from my basic understanding of Loopring, which is uh, you know a little bit further out there, um, it's a decentralized exchange. So instead of your binances or your Bittrexes or your coinbases of the world, it is completely decentralized. So instead of you putting your funds on the market, or actually you know depositing funds on the market to or a marketplace to trade, it actually does it all from your wallet. So the, you're in con, the custody and control of your of your crypto the entire time. Um, And it also uses this kind of mixing and matching of multiple orders in like a circular trade pattern, um, which allows for several orders to be traded at once.
2: Is that why it's called ring? I think so. Beautiful name. So can we start with pro number one, the name is awesome.
1: No, the (laughs) The name is... Terrible. The name,
2: besides sounding like your favorite contraceptive, um, and uh, and this is the overcounter kind Loopring, that you can Loopring
3: may
0: cause nausea.
2: <laughs> yes, and unexpected pregnancies. Um, I I think that Loopring has got a a an interesting name, and uh, I actually don't mind the name so much. But I think your point, and I'm sorry, I want to just build off what you were saying a moment ago. This is not just about decentralization of an exchange. This is a protocol for building decentralized exchanges. That's what Loopring is. Uh, it's not just the means of having a, an exchange, one exchange. It's about making as many exchanges as you possibly want there to
3: be. Well, that's true, and that's that's probably a good thing from what we heard from from the earlier article, and that a lot of these exchanges are inflating and and and, and they're involved in wash trading. So. Yeah. Just...
2: Well, I, so here's an interesting, um, I don't know if I want to bring this up because this is a little bit of a con, Um, <laughs> but there is nothing about this that could do away with wash trading. You could still technically create wash trading if you were mining on your own relay, if there was enough control in the protocol to ensure that your transactions were mined at your own relay but that also could give you the ability to do it at a really low cost to increase liquidity, which could be a pro. But it's so it's wash trading, but maybe the best kind of wash trading. Um, but as far as uh, as pros go, I think that this is going to do a lot for the community in the sense that it will assist with uh, traditional liquidity problems in the sense uh, that it does away with traditional concepts of buyers and sellers. Everyone's looking to trade. Would you say that's a fair assessment?
3: Yeah. Yeah. So it's basically trading one form of cryptocurrency for another that's what they're seeking to do here and while they're only available right now on ethereum Qtum, and neo they don't have any other plans for for any other um, chains to get on um but the way that the system works is it results in this automated kind of arbitrage which um it allows the the miner to make the decision like when you have a margin split on what the seller wants to sell for and what the buyer wants to buy for the miner can get a difference um, the difference of that split there where they could take a percentage and they get to make the decision. So it puts a lot of power in the hands of the miners, which yeah. it could be viewed as a good thing. But like you also said, could be they could be involved in some some shady business. There yeah. So
2: uh, other pros, I think they've got an incredibly clever concept to stop front running. Um, front running is a concept where um, a miner would know about a large trade ahead of time and uh, take some action to jump ahead of that trade to buy or sell, knowing what's going to what's gonna come down the pipeline. That kind of protection is something that is sorely lacking on a lot of these centralized exchanges, where um, the people that run the exchanges have the ability to front run um, in a massive way and, and are making a crap ton of money doing it. Um, there are some um, other interesting concepts that are worth discussing, is that um, this idea of... Uh, creating a decentralized exchange protocol does away with traditional on-chain protocols where you have to pay for gas for every transaction. Yeah, there's a there's a small mining fee uh, associated with this, but I think it's an incredibly clever concept that they've come up with. I will say, um, while Loopring is building their product, they've got a tremendous amount of money that they've raised um, through an ICO to um build this out and, and create a protocol that becomes the standard protocol uh, in the ecosystem um, and they've got a massive volume of money uh, i think somewhere in excess of 30 million um, they've got a current self-valuation of 182 million dollars for their entire protocol entire product and they're building again as ben said on eth uh, and neo and Qtum to uh, put exchanges uh decentralized exchanges in each one of those protocols so i'm excited about it i think it's an uh an interesting concept and they definitely have a uphill battle but before we go into really our best pro i want to hear some of your cons before i go for the kill shot we get get get, no we're we're, we're gonna have uh, nothing further your honor
1: (laughs) uh, no we're gonna we're We're gonna gonna call all arguments not made in the opening waived that's um, how that works i didn't (laughs)
2: see that written in the show notes so um This is the this is the only thing that Ben and I have to convince people this is not a completely horrendous token, Um, so yeah we're gonna rest right now and
0: reserve. I'm gonna strike that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so uh, on the other side, uh, on the con side, uh, Loopring has some pretty stiff competition out there. Um, You have 0x uh, at position number 25 and Waves at number 42. Um, They're both working on these decentralized exchanges. Yeah, they may not be um, they may not be exact competitors in that uh, they're um, not quite the same concept as Loopring with trying to put out a, a an open protocol out there for others to develop on. Um, they they already have a big head start in the market of decentralized exchanges and people who don't want to put their trust in a, a centralized exchange, which could of course get hacked. Um, There could be wash traders, um, any number of issues uh, with centralized exchanges. Um, Also, there uh, being where it is um, behind uh, 0x and Waves, um, there are going to be concerns about liquidity. Um, Loopring has uh, attempted to get around this by their loop protocol, where uh, you may have multiple steps and transaction process. A sells to B, B sells to C, and C sells back to A. Um, but uh, the problem remains um, if there aren't enough people on this network and their their network is further being, um, being cut up by having these different nodes or relays that may not run the exact same impl- implementation of the protocol, um, then there's going to be concerns about liquidity and uh, being able to get your orders through.
2: So let me jump in and ask you a question about your, your con there. They're not all running
0: the same implementation of the protocol.
2: What do you mean by that?
0: Um, So in the Loopring protocol, um, they've laid out uh, how the protocol works and different ways that uh, nodes or relays can implement that protocol, uh, different fee structures that they can set up, um, whether they want to work on uh, the Ethereum or the Loopring, or sorry, the Ethereum or the uh, Neo or Qtum um, blockchains. Um, Different uh, nodes might want to say that they're not going to do fees the same way that Loopring has uh, laid out. They may want to do purely uh, purely a percentage base and just split it three ways or equal ways between all of the um, all of the different buyers and sellers and the miner. Um, so with each new implementation of this protocol and different ways of setting it up, that's segmenting the market to where those nodes uh, aren't going to be able to talk to each other um, because they just work differently.
2: Isn't that a purely Free market economy at that point, wouldn't the nodes nodes be incentivized to structure their relays in a way that would match what the the traders are looking for,
0: Maybe. or they wouldn't get any? Theoretically, um, but uh, you're never gonna have only one. Um, I think uh, we've learned a lot over the years that um standards um. Standards proliferate. Um, they everyone has their own idea on the best way to do things, and they're not always going to rally behind the best solution or the simplest solution. Um, everybody wants to throw their hat in the ring, and uh, and there's definitely no guarantee that everyone will rally around the highest volume one um, just because.
2: Yeah, just because. And I think that's a. <laughs> I'm sorry. I uh, I think that's a that's an interesting point. But at the same time, um, one of the things that uh, I, I think may not have been addressed is liquidity may not be the issue that I think that you're suggesting it could be, because if you have A selling to B, B to selling to C, and C selling to A, you're including more transactions for more traders, thereby increasing liquidity. Wouldn't it go? Wouldn't it suggest that if you had to go A to B, B to C, all the way through Z, and then go Z to A, that you have actually increased liquidity by having to make all those steps in the process?
0: Um, loop Ring did actually put in their white paper that there is a limit on the number of steps in a loop. Um, so it only goes so far. Um, but even so, there's always going to be these uh, these small small tokens or coins that um, there may not be any steps um, there. And uh, I just think that it, while the the, the ring um, system for trading is interesting and can improve that situation, I don't think it is the be all, and all, and can't completely solve the problem um when they are where they are um in the marketplace
2: yeah so do i get to go con now or do i have to stay pro <laughs>
1: should
2: erase it in your opening yeah well no <laughs> i uh i was pro
1: by opening Did i i do um did does your con point relate to any of the reasons, or your pro point relate to any of the reasons? So the I'd like to
2: con? I'd like to bring up a con point and not a pro point, which I think is a big issue. Um, if if I could play devil's etiquette for a second, you
1: can it in our goal. That's cool. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: so here goes the <laughs> own goal. Um, I think that there is a significant issue with loop ring operating, um, in the current structure. I think that the idea behind relays and miners facilitating transactions does raise a very significant problem because you act as a money moneymaker you, you act as the person trying to facilitate transactions between numerous parties and you are assisting in transferring that money and hashing those those transactions that's very different from a traditional bitcoin model where i take a volitional act of clicking a button saying i want to move bitcoin from this address to that address Yes, the nodes will help process that transaction, but you have taken the step and have said, hey, I want to move this money.
1: Are you now a money transmitter?
2: That is exactly where I was going. Okay. So I think under the North Carolina's under North Carolina's definition of a money transmitter or money transmission under the Money Transmitter Act, I'm pretty confident that there could be a strong argument to make that if you're going to run a relay on Loopring. ring.
1: Call us loop ring.
2: Yeah, loopering. Um, <laughs> you're going to maybe want to tell your folks, if they're mining or running a relay, that they're going to have to register as a money transmitter, uh, at least in North Carolina. Um, and I, I know North Carolina's act is pretty uh, pretty consistent with a lot of what other states have. Um, it's not language they come up with on their own. I think they've borrowed it from another state. Uh, but at the end of the day, you're assisting in tra- transmission of monetary value. Um, it's very different from running a Bitcoin node. And as such, I think that there may be a need for a money transmitter license.
1: That's a good
0: point. I completely flip the script now. And, oh, so now uh, you're yeah. going, bro? Yeah. Um, I mean... <laughs> Objection. It's all out of order. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Laura Beth, our procedural due uh, process uh, expert over here.
0: Mm. Hit uh, <laughs> hey, me with it. What you got? <laughs> I just, I just don't see the the ways in which the miners are facilitating this transmission um, rising uh, to the level uh, that I think you're suggesting. Um, yes, they are finding maybe these uh, these steps in a, in a loop. Um, but does that rise to transmission? The money is still going from A to B to B to C to C to A. The miner never controls that. Um, they only help find that path uh, for that transaction yeah. to take. I mean, maybe this isn't a perfect analogy, but uh, under your reading would like Craigslist saying uh, Craigslist uh, having people, helping people find somebody wanting to trade a lump of gold for a lump of silver, like Craigslist helped those two people find each other, but Craigslist was not involved in the transmission uh, of the gold and silver itself.
2: So I think it's a very interesting analogy, and I think there's a lot of reasons why the Craigslist analogy is not a good fit. Uh, Craigslist, as I understand it, is that you put your ad out there and you get contacted by the person that's trying to buy it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and I think that's very different from the model that Loopring is is opting for. Let's say there was a version of Craigslist called Bobby's List. Um, hopefully, there's not a Bobby's List out there. Uh, we are open to sponsorship if there is a Bobby's List, so long as not nothing perverted. Um, but uh, let's say hypothetically, Bobby's List allows you to um, take a lump of gold, an ounce of gold, trade it for... 10 ounces of silver, traded for a really fancy, swanky bicycle, traded for uh, a really crappy car, and then to a whole bunch of paperclips, and then all the way back around, back to gold. And that was facilitating those transactions, processing the equality between the payments, um, ensuring that there was, um, that the buyer and seller or the traders matched what they were trying to do. It was for the, what they were willing to sell for or greater. Um, I think that loopring does that they are facilitating these transactions not just having a website where someone posts their own content and says hey any buyers out there Holla at your boy and you can buy this ounce of gold from me my collectible gold set of pokemon you know chips uh is for sale my
1: Baby collection. <laughs> yeah, exactly
2: oh your croc collection yeah, yeah. what um you gotta start hoarding those crocs y'all um but i th- i think that it brings up an interesting analogy that there isn't a clear definition of what this is and it does fall into a gray area but i would say in the interest of acting as conservatively as possible is what most lawyers typically try to advise clients to do that there is an argument to be made that by um receiving or receiving money or monetary value for transmission including a payment instrument which is what i would argue that this is is some kind of modicum of uh, some kind of method of exchange this payment instrument is this these transactions that are being matched, um, whether it's for electronic transfer, that amounts to money transmission in pursuance of the North Carolina Act.
3: Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up. You know, this is one of the reasons why they're seeking to have a decentralized exchange because you know a money transmitter to comply with the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, um, which is federal law. Um, that's some some of the, some of the KYC know your customer um, kind of things, and that's one of the reasons why when you go to Coinbase, if you open up an account there. They want you to take a picture with your webcam. They want to see a picture of your passport or your your government issued ID. That's a fantastic. Yeah. If you start doing this with just these nodes, then those guys are gonna gonna want some other money to have to, you know. That's where where it becomes a problem.
2: What happens if you're running a node and you send it to some person in some random country that is a terrorist and you've not done any KYC? I think that if I was on cons I'd be winning this argument <laughs>
3: There's a unique perspective.
2: Yeah, I think I'm gonna, that's a
1: crypto muggle card. Right
2: <laughs> <Yeah. now. laughs> the crypto muggle. Yes, the
1: crypto
2: yeah. Muggle I so I really think that Loopring has some issues but I think all decentralized exchanges or exchange protocols are going to have a problem with a lot of these traditional concepts because we're so used to dealing with transferring fiat and anti-money laundering issues with fiat currency that As we start seeing this become more permissible, I hope that Congress or the state could keep up, um, because right now it doesn't look like they are.
0: Yeah, and uh, I think on the enforcement side, um, all of these uh, various three-letter word organizations are going to have a lot bigger targets to go after um, before loop ring. I think under certain uh, readings of this, like any web-based wallet where you don't directly uh, hold the keys to your crypto. I think falls under this as yeah, well. Yeah, I agree. With um, that. There are tons of those out there, and nobody's gone after them yet. So. Well,
2: but look at things like Coinbase. They they hold your keys. Yeah. But they have a money transmitting act license. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of them, like Gemini. They do. So there are a lot of them that are complying with the law, but others that are not, like my Ether wallet. Yeah. You can be. Sh- i would be confident i'd put money i'd put an ether on the fact that they don't have a license in north carolina to act as a money transmitter right. um but at the end of the day um they would fall in a classic sense into this definition uh, at least i feel pretty confident about it okay so anyone got else anyone got anything else they want to add loop
3: for one day. yeah yeah so, so uh, let's move to the next
2: what is the, the coin for next week
0: all right. Let so, me, uh, so we're picking these. these we're going to uh,
1: randomly generate a uh,
0: number. Yeah, between <laughs> 1 and 100. And uh, at the time of recording, whatever number that is on CoinMarketCap is what we'll be doing next week. Pick a good one for us. Nice. All right. Since there's no
2: sound effects, just make it anything up. Make anything up.
0: We got a low number here. Uh, oh, jeez. <laughs> Iota. <was> <laughs> No, nope. uh, number nine, Tether. Oh, tether. perfect. Oh, I
2: think we're going <laughs> to have so a great. field day with this. We <laughs> tether have
3: to do some research on Tether anyway. Still
2: we're coming for again. you, Tether. Hey, yeah. um, okay, so uh, by next week, everyone will have hopefully read. Does even Tether even have a white paper for anyone to read?
3: That's- well.
2: Make yourself we'll familiar with white paper, and we're gonna. We uh, can artificially
3: create one, right? One. <laughs>
2: yeah, they'll just print one. Um, we'll flip a token. We'll flip he? a token. Oh, not even flip a coin. We'll flip a token, heads or tails, to see do who's you, doing pro or con. Do you have a physical dogecoin? coin? Because if so, I think you need to bring it in. I, I don't, but I may have a physical Bitcoin. So um, we're going to be doing Tether, uh, USDT. Uh, next week, we're going to be discussing the pros and cons, the tech behind it. Um, and, uh, let's, uh, let's see if we can bring our a game on that. Ladies and gentlemen, I think that we are going to have a lot of people interested in hearing what we think about it, especially the folks at Tommy John's, um, by the way, hashtag please sponsor us. Um, and so our final segment, um so <laughs> is, there is zero shame on the blockchain there isn't a protocol for shame um so and, and the other thing about this uh, tommy johns if you're listening um <laughs> and we know you are um we know for a fact that satoshi listens to our podcast right, um man. he's well, actually actual Sebi's uncle uh, um and well, there's only one not f- fake toshi that's craig Wright. So we're not him <laughs> um but real satoshi
0: i thought roger burr was
2: so no, no, we're no, no, supposed no. to
0: say close friend, not uncle.
2: Oh, close friend. I'm sorry. Yeah, my bad. Um, my bad. We don't want him just, to get uh, tracked.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, so, anyway, um, <laughs> let's go ahead and move to our next and final segment um, crazy crypto predictions with Ben's bags.
3: All right. This week on Ben's bag. First of all, a little disclaimer here, not to be construed as financial or legal advice, as you're probably better off getting your advice from a pod of bottlenose dolphins. We <laughs> have similar IQs. <laughs>
2: the collective down right, spot on, so, by the way. Uh, <laughs> this, week,
3: this week, I'm actually, I'm going Dash. Um, h- Hodel strong, Dash. Uh, I like the like what I've seen here in Venezuela, and then also this all this other stuff that they've got going on. And they have been jumping here in the past couple of days over 20% the other day, um, I'm going to predict that at the end of September, they're going to be over $300, uh, uh, over $300 a coin.
2: But not to be construed as financial advice. N-
3: yeah, just pure prediction, just uh, off the wheel. Wild,
1: world. wild speculation. Wild right.
2: speculation. And to be clear, what are you basing this off? Just pumping the numbers up. I Do you mean, have and- like a bunch of butterflies in a vase somewhere, like <laughs> circling <laughs> around numbers? <laughs> yeah, the so I set
3: out different piles of sugar in the um, in the kitchen and then whichever one the ants go to.
2: Gotcha. So okay. And they went to the $300 pile. To,
3: to, to I, I was hoping they were going to go for the $500 pile, but they didn't.
2: Okay. Okay.
3: That, that is a crazy crypto. Prediction. That
2: is, yeah, in wow. fact, insane. <laughs> whoa-ho, whoa-ho. <laughs> white jacket. <laughs> uh, street jacket. Sorry, not white jacket. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Like, Dr.
0: Ben's uh, doctor. Doctor. Uh, doctor crazy th- crypto. <laughs> yep.
2: um, hashtag not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear.
1: Do not get <laughs> there's
2: more. no medical <laughs> advice Stop, here please. either. <laughs> a loop ring was not a contraceptive. This is not medical advice. <laughs> uh, crazy Dr. Ben has a doctorate from an unlicensed and unaccredited med school in Venezuela. So, okay. So uh, I hope you folks have enjoyed listening to this. Anyone got anything to add? Say goodbyes. Go right ahead. Ben. Have a good week. Hold us strong, guys. Laura Beth. Thanks
1: for listening.
0: Sebi. Yep. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week.
2: And thanks for listening to our very first episode. Remember, if you're in Venezuela, buy some Dash. And if you want to continue the conversation with us, feel free to hit us up on Twitter at Initial Legal. Thanks again for listening. See you next week.